0: South. I'm your host, Sarah A. Lewis of The Oxford American. This year, our annual music issue is a very special Greatest Hits edition, guest edited by Brittany Howard, the Grammy Award-winning singer and songwriter and lead vocalist of Alabama Shakes. For this issue, Howard selected 10 of her favorite OA music stories to republish alongside a section of new writing on musical icons. The issue also comes with more than a dozen hours of music, including 10 streamable playlists curated by writers and musicians, including Brittany. You can access these directly in the magazine and listen along to this jam-packed issue while you read. This issue, which features Sister Rosetta Tharp on the cover, is shipping to OA subscribers now. It's also available at Oxfordamericangoods.org, and will be available on newsstands nationwide December 1st. In today's episode, OA Managing Editor Danielle A. Jackson, who led the Music Issue Project and worked with Brittany on her editor's letter, sat down with the visionary musician to discuss her reading life, the roots that shaped her sound, and the dualities of the South.
1: So the issue is all about the greatest hits of our magazine, focusing on our music issue, which has been around for 23 years this year. And you picked the best of the best Oxford American music writings. And, you know, you've been written about as a musician, I would say, for about a decade. So, you know, it's it's really wonderful and helpful that we got that kind of perspective in curating and editing the issue. So I was just wondering what kinds of music writing do you like to read and also what do you like or what don't you like about being written about?
2: I'd say the kind of music writing that I like is um, a lot of stories talking about where the musicians or songwriters grew up, what kind of circumstances they grew up in and what led them to choose musicianship as their outlet Mm -hmm. I think that's really interesting because I feel like that's where I can relate to a lot of musicians like it's really before all the fame and success hit it's like that grind and that hunger yeah that's usually the most inspiring perspective to me and as far as being written about um I, I just like when people take their time to try to understand me where I come from you know it does seem like I came out of nowhere overnight sensation Alabama shakes all that stuff uh, but there's a lot more to the story, you know, I knew what I wanted to do since I was 11 years old and I put all that work into it. So I was already doing it for 10 years before any of us hit the scene. What I don't like is when um, people kind of sing the virtues without having any of the backstory, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like to me, where I come from, it's a miracle to get to do what I do. Mm-hmm. I think it matters. Yeah, I think it matters to uh, why people make music. that's interesting to me Mm
1: -hmm. personally so could you maybe talk a little bit about your grandmothers and singing with them and learning music with them yeah so i have my two
2: grandmothers uh one is white her name is ruby and my other grandmother is black and her name is helen but we all call her mama helen so i'll be referring to ruby nana and my mom and helen those are two different grandmas so nana uh, at her house you know we used to cook a lot of food together we pretty much always spent life in the kitchen um sitting around the table drawing or listening to music or watching the news from the kitchen table it's where we did everything uh, she had a little boom box in there and uh she was showing me how to cook things like peach cobbler she would show me how to make casseroles and how to make biscuits and Uh, chopping up okra and you know splitting peas and uh, shucking corn it was always around food and music and we would laugh and goof off and have a lot of fun and she would always show me the songs from when she was a teenager because she still loved them and so that's where I got like a a love and appreciation for old doo-wop groups and people like Chuck Berry and uh, James Brown and she would, she would showed that to me at a really early age, and to me, that was just what good music was. Of course, I heard the stuff on the radio, but if I'm being honest, I liked her type of music better. Um, and Mama Helen, she had a, like, cool kind of music style. She liked that smooth, like, R&B, like, Teddy Pendergrass and Luther Vandross and Barry White and things like that. And at the time, I didn't really understand why it was good. I just knew that, like, that's what she liked, and so... We got to get with it my grandma was cool mama helen was cool and so we used to have like cookouts in her front yard and everybody in the family would come over here comes you know like my cousin pulling up in his like green Jeep cherokee you know with the rims on it and and, uh, here comes everybody else pulling up and in their cars and parking in the front yard and coming out and wearing their fubu and trying to look cool you know what i mean with the gold teeth in and Listening to that kind of music in the front yard, I'm mean just having the best time. And whenever I hear that kind of music, that smooth R&B kind of music, I think about how happy those times were when we were all together and everything was just cool and peaceful, and all we had to do was eat.
0: Hey, Point South listeners, thank you for tuning in. Did you know that the Oxford American is a nonprofit organization that relies on you to keep the lights on? We've got a special offer for you today that will save you some money and support our mission to explore the complexity and vitality of the South. Head to OxfordAmericanGoods.org and use promo code PODCAST for 15% off your purchase, including our greatest hits issue, guest edited by Brittany Howard.
1: You know, our cover star for the issue is going to be Sister Rosetta Tharp. Yes, ma'am. You inducted her into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. You gave a really beautiful performance and you kind of expressed that it was belated and overdue. I would love to know or hear you talk a little bit about how how she, as well as other Black women pioneers, influenced your sound. Like how would you trace the roots of your sound?
2: Sure. Um, first off, it was an honor inducting her. Sister Rosetta Tharp was someone... Um, that I've been looking up to since I think my late teens, early 20s, when I found out about her, because suddenly people were saying, oh, you're like Rosetta Tharpe, you're like Rosetta Tharpe, and I'm like, who's that? So I started looking her up and getting into her, you know, and. I was like, wow, this is so cool. The way she plays, her style, so cool. We played, like, the same guitar, which is not on purpose. It just happened that way. And I was fascinated and really got into her and realized how important she was to the history of rock and roll and and soon realizing that she uh, probably created rock and roll. So, And as far as, like, uh, my own genealogy with music, I, I listened to everything I can get my ears on. I was born with really big ears. My mom said that's the first thing that developed on me, so... I just love sound, I love music. I I like classical music, I like world music, I like um, pop music, I like doo music. And I think the one thing that I respect the most out of all those different types of like genres, if you wanna call them that, is uh, the, uh, the spirit behind it, the soul behind it, the celebration behind it. There's, there's something very human and raw about all the different types of music we listen to. They all have something connecting them all. They all borrow from each other. So in a way, I learned that string and I learned that uh, the more you can contain, the more options you have when you're going to write your own stuff.
1: So specific songs um, on your album, Georgia is one that I wanted to ask you about. So I read in some things that the song is about a crush, like when you were a young girl. Um, I read some things that said the song is about the singer-songwriter, artist, Georgia Ann Muldrow. Can you talk to us a little bit about that song? Yeah, the way the song
2: came about is I was taking a break from working, and I went in the house, made lunch, and I'm reading this article, and it had Georgia Ann Muldrow mentioned in it, and it was just kind of like listing all the different people she worked with. And then I just thought to myself, like, man, I wish Georgia knew I existed, because If she worked with me, that means I'm dope, like all these other people. And then I just started singing, I just want Georgia to notice me. And I was like, oh, I like that. And then the bass line came in my head. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, ooh, I don't know, so simple, so catchy. And then I put my sandwich down and ran into the studio and um, started forming this track that took on this completely different meaning, this completely different definition. So, like, Georgia inspired it but the song's definitely not about her. It turns into this story of being young and having like a really innocent desire of love and not understanding where it comes from or why you're different. Mm -hmm. Um, And just living in that for a second, that feeling, that feeling of, yeah, it's about desire, but it's also innocent. And I never heard a song like that before, so I wanted to write about it.
3: I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia to notice me. I just want Georgia. Georgia. See, you don't know it, but I'm afraid. George is a cool
1: Another thing you talk about in your letter is the way that you felt a connection in some way to all the pieces that you picked for us. What do you read or, yeah, what do you read for fun? Like what is, tell me a little bit about your reading life.
2: I actually like things that are nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Um, Believe it or not, just like almost to the point of like scientific journals. I really like. To educate myself. I'm inspired by things like um, sci-fi, but possible sci-fi. Like, it's possible. This could happen in the next 30 years. We could be doing this and we could have this. And that actually inspires me creatively. Um, I have never really thought about it till now. But the world of possibility of the world of tomorrow actually inspires the way I think. And it kind of gives me this, like, liberation of what's possible.
1: I'm also really curious about kind of your most recent release, um, the remixes for Jamie, mm-hmm. um, I was wondering, I think it, we, like, from an, from a perspective of, like, editors of writing, you know, we're always thinking about what's the best way to, to start this, like, what's the best way to, like, get readers to, like, get Im- immediately emotionally invested in the piece. Like, should we remove um, this part? Should we put this paragraph in like the beginning instead of the end? You know, we're constantly mm-hmm. reordering it, recasting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that kind of sparks some questions about how your collaborations for the remixes came about and how those, those collaborations were able to help those songs live differently or speak to the audience a little bit differently.
2: Yeah, that's the whole idea behind it. I really do think that everyone working on this remix album, I respect them. I respect the way they see things. And I just wanted to hear how my kind of ideas would flow through them. What did they get out of it? How could they transform it and change it? Uh, And yeah, to touch their own audiences, but also it's just like out of pure fun and play. It's fun. It's a fun little project. I mean, the thing behind it was really just, hey, what do y'all think? What would y'all have done different? And it's been so cool. Um, I've always been fascinated um, how other people see things, you know, Mm -hmm. because, you know, this is my reality, but somebody else's reality is going to be totally different. Um, So, yeah, I'm having fun with it. I'm excited for it.
1: Um, I like the... Earth Gang remix of Goathead. So, I think maybe some people would be surprised that you mixed the song with a hip-hop duo, but it seems so like intuitive and like a natural connection to me because that song to me is like a hip-hop song a little bit anyway.
3: See hmm.
2: It all makes sense to me with my music. I have so many different types of uh, inspiration when I'm making a song. Uh, I'm gonna say hip hop's always on the playing field for me. Um, grew up listening to it. That's just a natural part of my own uh, musical education. So, doing this track with Earth Gang, doing Goathead with Earth Gang made perfect sense. And I like those Earth Gang dudes, man. They're funny. They're talented dudes. I like them.
4: the brutal her, taking out her pain on us but who knows why probably because we fly because we can work magic with the wink of an eye when I dance sparks fly. Now watch me guide for nama no minds for nama no kinds the beautiful ones a sign of the times to life is a threat to breathe is a crime I'm one by a guy was more than the five my career sources while black bodies hit the floor I feel guilt shame. I could always do some more uh, words enough. Does the storytelling lighten the burden up? Marching and fist pumping. Generation on fire. Got the whole city burning. We will not be denied. You ain't get the memo that we ain't to be fucked with. Fighters return to fire. The words are us Statues will fall, ancestors watching, enjoying us. Reset the balance. My tongue callous from school at Alice. Talking racist whack shit. Living in her wonderland, bubble, bubbling up, damn. You searching for the problem, shout it, that's it. The ship beamed up everything we dreamed of It's finally us. Damaged goods from your average hood. I'd rather be overpaid than understood. Only God can judge me and my accomplices. Spelling to comply. Got my weapon, that's my right. Let's be heavily supplied. I ain't shit, but a reflection of the times to the naked eye. So even when I'm I look like something to be threatened. This is for the fingertips, dipped in red dust on the city bus. No option for giving up. I'm the sun, sign, so the natural look be sticking up. Sunday brunch with bun, I ain't eat much, but I listened up. Soak some wisdom up, rolled the bigger blunt, laugh to keep from tearing up. Had to fuck the city up to make us take us serious. Don't pick up your cell, 12, what you like amphibian? They put us off through hell and tell us God was so mysterious.
1: into with your music as a fan is definitely like your love songs. So when Jamie first came out, my song was short and sweet. So can you talk a little bit about what your approach is for writing love songs? and Why you like to write love songs?
2: I, I like to write love songs from a bit of a different perspective. Um, there's lots of different types of love can feel lots of different ways. People can explain it in lots of different ways and it appears in all kinds of different situations. So I, when I write a love song, you know, I think that's something everyone can relate to is love and I think that's something that everyone longs for. Um, so it's something easy to write about. For me, there's a depth there when you talk about love that's almost impossible to describe, so it's kind of fun to stay there and adventure there. And so when I was writing a song like Short and Sweet, I thought it would be interesting to write from a perspective of, I'm gonna step into this love, but I know it's gonna end. Um, and I thought that was interesting to me. I, I can't name a lot of songs off the top of my head that deal with that kind of subject matter. Um, and that just made it interesting to me. That made me wanna write about it, made me curious about it. so. There's that.
1: Yeah, I think um, it's really beautiful and super evocative of that feeling and, like, kind of bittersweet. And I think Mm -hmm. that speaks to, like, a lot about the moment that we're kind of living in, probably.
2: I think we're all living in uncertain times. And I think, especially in America, this is a country that's always... um, prided itself on where you're going and how you're going to get there and pull your bootstraps up and you can do it. Rah, rah, rah. Individualism. All these things I think we're realizing more and more and more, especially during this time, we're waking up to the idea that being an individual is lonely and Mm. I can't do everything. I need help. Um, Diversity is amazing uh, because I don't want people that only think like me, only look like me. I need more information. I need more in my life. I need all the colors of the rainbow. I need all the sounds. I need to be outdoors. I need to remember what it was like to just sit and to cook and not have my phone in front of me. I, I want to know what it's like to wake up and be with my family and not just go to work and come back tired and moody. Um, people are like really getting a wake-up call uh, right now, I think that there's more to life than just being a consumer. There's more to life than just playing a part in a, in like a capitalist country where just money, 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 things, things, things. Um, what happens when you can't get the money? What happens when you can't get the things? What happens when uh, you have to stay inside with your family, with yourself? What happens when you have to actually spend time and mental energy on who you are? Um, So in that way, that's painful, right? Because that's a new thing and we're all going through it. Um, Some people will become aware that it's a growing pain and it does lead to somewhere more, um, I don't know, awakening or Mm -hmm. enlightening. I don't know. Or some people will just see it as punishment. But I, I, I do think ultimately the way I'm holding it together is just knowing it's part of a bigger plan. I do believe that and it makes me hopeful because things have to get ugly before they can heal, you know?
1: You also talked a little bit about having some complex feelings about the South or the South that you grew up in and how it's changed. Can you talk a little bit about, yeah, how your thoughts of living in the South have kind of evolved as you've become a grown woman? <sighs> uh, there's a lot to be said when we're talking about
2: the South. Being someone who grew up here... It's kind of hard to be on the outside looking in, cause you just grew up here. It's just the way things are. But I think the more I travel, the more I longed for home. But it's home, see? Like that's the thing. I can talk about the South, but I'm I'm from here. Yeah, it's hard to separate myself from it. It is different. The air's different. I miss it. Uh, even though the you know the South has got a really bad rap. You know, it's it's always been slow. In progress. It's always been like that. It's a place with a lot of duality because at the same time as you're having the civil rights marches, right? It's the same time that black folks and white folks are in the studio making 60s hits. That's right. It still inspires today. Mm -hmm. The same time that there were lynchings, there was an underground railroad, there was hope. Mm-hmm. These things these things live together down here, which I think makes it so much more real because that's that's how life is. There's duality, there's contradictions. Living down here with that, I think, gets you just closer to like the rawness of life. And also the fact that this this is an agricultural place. Both of my grandparents, my white grandparents and my black grandparents picked cotton. It mm-hmm. um, wasn't that long ago. They couldn't drink at the same water fountains. Uh, But here I am, you know? That's the thing about the South. It will change. It just has its own pace. But there's so many good people. I'm sad that it's been devastated by um, whataboutism and Mm. politics, tensions. I'm glad we're talking about it. But it makes me sad that some people were sticking their fingers in their ears and their heads in the sand. And then there's, on the other side of this, young people who want desperately for the South to change and be progressive and be inviting. And I'm all for that. I, I, for one, when I talk about the South, I really take my time talking about it because I never want to abandon it.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Because... There's two sides to it. You know what I mean? I I, have been in European countries and they say, oh Alabama, isn't that where the racists still are? I'm just like, well buddy, (laughs) the racists are still in America. Like, you know, Alabama is one spot. I have to educate them real quick. And I kind of accidentally, unofficially became an ambassador for Alabama because I do love it so much. It's special and it's beautiful. Yeah. So I'll never abandon it. That's beautiful. There are mouths
3: between us Time between us There is something between us
2: I may be a fool To dream of. God, it feels so good to dream at all, something short and sweet,
3: there's always a lot on my head for Something between us, something shot and sweet. I don't care.
0: This episode was produced by me, Christian Lewis, Daniel A. Jackson, and Eliza Bourne with Ryan Harris. Trey Pollard is space-bombed as our theme music and sound design. Special thanks to Christine daughter and, of course, Brittany Howard. This episode was made possible with support from UAMS. Sign up for our newsletter at oxfordamerican.org newsletter for all the latest on the OA and Point South. And remember, promo code PODCAST gets you 15% off any purchase at oxfordamericangoods.org, including the new music issue featuring Brittany Howard. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the show.